Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I really love the story about Gideon. It's not read too often in our, as lessons in a worship service. There's much more to Gideon's story than what we heard this, just now. He was quite a character. He, he's easy to identify yourself with him because he had no self-confidence at all, probably very extremely low self-esteem. He didn't know how to deal with his oppression. And yet he's the man to whom the angel of the Lord appears. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, as we heard in the reading, and addresses him, calling him a mighty man of valor. And Gideon probably replied something like this, who, me? You talking to me? I mean, picture this scene. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, in ancient days, a wine press was like a huge barrel cut in half, and the lower part, all the grapes were put in it, and then a press was brought over that lower part and pushed down on the grapes to force out the juice for additional processing. And it was usually done inside to avoid the heat of the sun. It was messy work, but it wasn't dusty dirt and dirty, and it wasn't that difficult to accomplish. But now wheat, we're more familiar with wheat and living in the farm states or Midwest or wherever we grew up as children. Wheat is usually threshed in an open area on a platform when you're doing it by hand. It's beaten and the, and the, and the stalks are shaken to re remove and to release the grain from the stalks themselves. As a result, it's dusty work and it's dirty work. But Gideon has put his, his wheat into the wine press. And there he stands, beating it and shaking it and separating the grain from the stalks, creating clouds of dust and dirt and breathing it in and all of that. And he's doing that simply to hide his harvest from the Midians who have conquered and occupied his country and who live off of Gideon's hard work as well as that of his countrymen. So calling or addressing Didion as a mighty man of valor is not exactly an obvious compliment. In fact, it could be taken as humorous or sarcastic. But the angel of the Lord is not done. He goes on to tell Gideon, the Lord is with you, and Gideon responds, and I heard the reader express that in her voice. He responds, really? Where have you been all these years? Where are all the wonderful things the Lord has done for his people? Where are they? The Midianites have conquered us. They take everything they can steal. They camp in our fields, they eat our food, they steal our livestock, they oppress us any way they can. And now you come and say, the Lord is with me? You must be kidding. Me, Gideon, a man of valor? Listen, I, I am the least influential man in the least influential house, in the least influential clan, in the least influential tribe of Israel. You know where that puts me? way at the bottom. I live in fear of the Midianites, so I have to do my work in secret so they don't see me and see what I have. 
besides that, even in my own community, people don't really listen to me. All of that is reflected in the additional text about Gideon that we did not read tonight, but it's there. And it's obvious that Gideon was not having a very good day. And he didn't have a good future, and he didn't see any way that his life was going to change. But that's what made Gideon just the man the angel of the Lord wanted to see. Now remember that the angel of the Lord is no angel in terms of ordinary images. A couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about that for a bit. The angel of the Lord is actually the son of God before his conception in the womb of Mary. The angel of the Lord is God, Jesus, before he takes on human nature that makes him one of us without losing any of his divine nature. This angel of the Lord will become the least of the least, the poorest of the poor, and a servant to all. He will assume the guilt for all of the sins of the world. And he will pay the horrible price that God his Father demands to be paid. The angel of the Lord will be re resurrected to life from the dead on the third day of his death to give eternal life to every person who believes God raised him from the dead. This angel of the Lord will in fact die for Gideon. And when Gideon dies, he will raise Gideon up on that last day. At this time of the year, it's not hard for us to identify with Gideon. Hard times come to everybody. And as seems to be a custom every year at Christmas, we start hearing about people who have no money for Christmas. They've received bad news from the doctor. In fact, a very close friend to my wife and myself is undergoing significant cancer surgery this week for cancer recently diagnosed in her body. Her family is asking, why the bad news this time of year? Or why am I losing my job at Christmas time? Then there are the family conflicts that divide the sons and daughters and wives and husbands. And for many, the money runs out before the month ends. In that light, the promises of God in Psalm 23 that I talk about often seem to be unrelated to the problems we have. So it's tempting to think, how in the world can I walk along still waters, rest in green pastures, be restored, know what path is the right one, face death, where do I find my table in the presence of all that is against me? Where is my healing? Where is the mercy I need? From where will it come? And what does all of that mean anyway? And having said that and thinking that, we go and we look for places to hide from more trouble. Then, just like he showed up in front of Gideon, expect the, the, Lord, the angel of the Lord to show up before us. The angel of the Lord shows up and greets us. Hello, mighty ones of battle. The Lord is with you. The angel of the Lord finds us in our worst despair and hopelessness. He finds us, though, with the living proof that he died for our sin, was raised from the dead by God the Father, and he lives today to give eternal life to we who believe in him. Then he does a remarkable thing. He sends us out to defeat the enemies who try to occupy our lives and drain from us all the fulfilled promises God has given us.
That's what the angel of the Lord did with Gideon. <clears throat> sent him out, <clears throat> sent him out to fight the Midianites. And to make sure that Gideon saw that it was God who fought the battle, actually, the Lord reduced Gideon's army to 300 men. And those 300 men fought not with swords and horses and armor. They were camped on the cliffs high above and around the Midianites. They were holding pitchers and torches that, that concealed the burning torches within them. And then at Gideon's single, Signal the trumpets blew and the pitchers were smashed to reveal burning torches, and the army shouted all around the encampment for the Lord and for Gideon. Since it was the middle of the night, the enemy was thrown into confusion and fought against themselves until all were destroyed. Gideon didn't even have to raise his sword, but the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, caused the defeat, letting Gideon appear to have defeated the Midianites as one man. Well, I offer to you this thought that that's exactly what the Lord does for us. He doesn't send us thousands of miles away to protect the things of the Lord wherever they may be. He keeps us where we're at. He sends us out into our lives, not to destroy armies of human-made weapons, but of spiritual armies of darkness and despair and hopelessness. Jesus now has defeated those spiritual armies of darkness and despair and hopelessness that occupy our lives. They are always in full retreat. They never hold the battlefields, that is us. They never hold us for very long. And so that's why Luther puts in his hymn, A Mighty Fortress, that these spiritual armies and forces are always defeated with one word, and that word is Jesus. Christ equips us to occupy what he has won with his precious blood. With his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, he has defeated the power of sin, death, and the devil. Jesus kicks out Satan's mercenaries that try to take us down. He sets us free. He really sets us free. And he equips us to, to occupy the spiritual ground that he has conquered as one man. Now, it's still true that Satan roams the earth looking for lives to occupy. But God's battle plan is carried out with precision. Satan is restricted, beaten, and doesn't know it. Satan is incredibly stupid. He believes that the God who created him and kicked him out of heaven could ever be defeated, that he could do it. Talk about being delusioned. Well, the clearest example of Satan's stupidity is recorded in the account of Job. You're probably familiar with Job more than you are with Gideon. God allowed Satan total access to Job. Satan was sure that Job could be forced to curse God and die. That's all Satan had to do with Job, make him curse God and die. So Satan caused Job to lose his health, all of his money and assets, he lost the lives of all of his family members. He lost the support of his friends. They turned on him. They became friends who believed Job must have been responsible for all of his suffering. But you know, in the worst of his circumstances, there as he sits in the ashes without a stick to burn to keep him warm, 
Job rose up and confessed his faith that the God who created him would redeem him from all of this suffering. And here's what he said. Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity, for the hand of the God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. While my heart yearns within me, Job, in spite of his suffering, held the ground and occupied it through his faith in the promises of God, and God set Job free, and Job was free indeed. There are people like Job today who are withstanding the assaults of the evil one. He assaults their lives. One such person is a very close friend to me and my wife. Our friend and his fiancée were at the beginning of careers in helping people recover lives and make new lives in this country, immigrants to the United States from third world countries where they had been tortured, beaten, stripped of all of their belongings, abused, and the list goes on. We know what they face. We see it on the news. They were ready to get married. But a few weeks before their wedding, he was diagnosed with an incurable, progressive, disabling disease which eventually will end with his death. But in the past 20 or 30 years, he and his wife have experienced the disabling effects of his disease. While they have faced those effects, they have raised a family and carved out careers that are just so admirable. At the same time, he has experienced the effects of the disease and the weakening it makes in his body, he has experienced the strengthening effects of God's promises to which he and his wife cling every day of his life to just get through his day. Do you know he's not defeated? He gets through it. Christ has set them free. He and his wife are winning the battle to occupy the battlefield God has given them to hold against all assaults of the evil one. They defeat them as one man. They continue to help people who have been assaulted by the evil one who would otherwise be under bondage. They help those people to be set free physically, mentally, and spiritually. Their battles and victories are summed up in the words of this song, and they, these words just may describe your battles and victories as well. Well, what the Lord has done in me. The words read, let the weak say I am strong, let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lamb that was slain. Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus died and rose again. Into the river I will wade where my sins are washed away. From the heavens, mercy streams of the Savior's love for me. I will rise from waters deep into the saving arms of God. I will sing salvation's song. Jesus Christ has set me free. In Jesus' name, amen.